ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, future home of Not Sam Wrestling. Get used to it. That transition is coming sooner than later, but welcome. It's Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I want to thank you all, first and foremost, for the wonderful comments that I got from the hashtag ASS special from last week, Uh, especially for Jess. Jess was very, very flattered. I shared some of the positive feedback that you guys gave her um, based on the show. And, you know, it's always interesting what comes through with a show like that because all she was really doing was reading your questions. She would insert her opinions here and there, but for the most part, she did exactly what I asked her to do, which is just be the voice. I think she has a very good broadcasting voice, so I was like, you know, just you can read the questions so it's not just me talking to Twitter with a microphone on, you know? Me mumbling to myself about what I'm being tweeted at. We don't want to just turn a microphone into my normal conversations that I have with myself. No, this is a show. Damn it. You be the voice. Um, But so many of you were like picked up on how good she is. Not only the fact that she was totally fine with the fact that our vacation with our family in Europe was completely interrupted uh, in order to, you know, record the podcast, but the way that she supports everything that I do, everything that goes on in the Not Sam wrestling world, all the WWE stuff, everything, the way that she not only supports it, but is genuinely happy about it, that is, I think, what stuck with a lot of people. So I really appreciate how many people reached out and said nice things about not only the show, but specifically Jess. And I will tell you that Jess also very, very, very much appreciated it. Of course, if you want to hear more Jess, the premium version of this podcast is available at Stitcher Premium, stitcher.com slash notsam. And that includes the uh, captive audience show uh, on many of episode, many of those episodes. I've made Jess watch various episodes of wrestling TV, various wrestling pay-per-views that she never would have watched otherwise as I try to explain to her what's going on. And a lot of people get a kick out of it. So check that out if you haven't over at stitcher.com slash notsam. It is a big week. There was also this moment. I mean, I can't tell you guys. I tweeted a little bit about it. And I guess for some reason, uh, some of you said that you guys who listen on Google Play, the podcast was only eight minutes long. I will tell you that I will never do an eight-minute Sam Roberts wrestling podcast. So if that comes up, it's a Google Play issue, as it was this week when it happened, because iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and every place else, it was fine. If you don't use any of these podcast apps, but you have to hear the show, I also post it every single week on NotSam.com. As soon as it goes up, when it goes up, at some point on its release day, it goes up on NotSam.com. And you can just click a player on the website. So if Google Play ever has an issue like that. But what I would do is make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, whether it's on your phone or if you don't have an iPhone, subscribe on iTunes on your computer, and then you can port the podcast over to your phone. You could also download the Stitcher app, and it's there. You can check, download Spotify. Spotify works on every phone. It's always there. So if, just in case Google Play has more issues, make sure, because the way it works is it's not like I upload it to all these different spots, and so there was an issue with my uploading it. It's uploaded once, 
to a feed and Google Play and Stitcher and Spotify and iTunes and all these other places, they catch the show off that feed. So the issue is with their catching it, there's nothing I can do to upload or re-upload or change. Once it's there, it's there. Uh, So the best thing that you can do in terms of getting to listen to the podcast as soon as it comes out is make sure you have a couple of sources for it, just in case there's an issue like there was last week with Google Play. Um, I, I, I think that part of the issue was that everybody, for the first time in a long time, everybody that listens to the podcast first thing when it comes out Thursday morning, East Coast time in the States, um, everybody was listening to it at the exact same time because it was published late. And the panic that I was in, so we were on a European trip, my whole family, last week, and it was Brussels, that we no, Bruges, Belgium, different city. We went from Paris to Normandy to Bruges to Brussels to Amsterdam and back to New York all within eight days. So it was Bruges that we were in when I had to record this podcast. So I let Jess and my family and everybody, they went out and and saw the town and I sat in the bathroom in the hotel and recorded the state of wrestling on my own because, you know, that's what I do. Then later on in the evening, I got Jess to the hotel room and we had my mom watch the baby while Jess sat there and asked me your questions for the ASS special, which were great. I loved the questions from you guys. Love seeing where your mindsets are. And I was very flattered that so many of you were not just interested in my opinions on WWE, but also were interested in, in my story and what my experience is at WWE and all that. So this is uh, Bruges now where we're recording all this. And I record it all. I have my recorder with me. Everything's locked and loaded. Go out to dinner. While I'm at dinner, I go, Jess, did you get the charger out of the wall in Normandy? She said, no. I was like, oh, man, the laptop charger is still in Normandy, which is, I don't know, four hours away from Bruges. So I go, okay, well, I guess that's that. There's got to be some charge left on the laptop. I get back to the room. There's no charge left on the laptop. And we're leaving first thing in the morning to Brussels. So in Belgium as well. It's like a two-hour drive. And I go, oh, no. So I, I, I start, like, panicking and Googling and tweeting and doing all this stuff. And I realize that right by the hotel that we're staying in, and we're, leave, we're supposed to be leaving at 9.30 in the morning, right by the hotel we're staying at, there is an Apple-authorized reseller. So first thing in the morning, I'd go to Jess, and i go, Jess, can you contact my dad, who we were there with the whole family because it was my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. And I go, can you get with my dad and buy me an extra 30 minutes? This Apple store right by the hotel opens at 10 a.m. As soon as that store opens, I will be outside the store. I'm going to go in. I'm going to buy a charger. I'm going to get on the bus. She goes, okay. She bought me the 30 minutes. I was outside that store. Luckily, it was a two-minute walk from the hotel, but I was, at, which is pure, pure, pure luck because who knows how many Apple stores there are in Bruges, Brussels, right? I mean, Bruges, Belgium, right? So I get the charger. I get on the bus. My plan is I'll get on the bus, I'll edit the podcast on the bus, and then when I get to the hotel in uh, in Brussels, I just upload it and go about my business. I get on the bus figuring, you know, it's a 20-person bus, there'll probably be outlets, no outlets. So no turning on the laptop. So what I had to do was get all the way to Brussels. Get to I went right to the business center, you know, with my bags, the whole deal. Went right into the business center, 
plugged in, found out what the Wi-Fi was, edited the podcast together. Thank God we had recorded it the night before. Edited the podcast together and got it up online. It's now 1 p.m. Eastern. I mean, 1 p.m. in the time zone that I'm in. But luckily, Europe is six hours ahead of East Coast time in the States. So technically, it was the middle of the day. But for most of you in the States that listened to it first thing Thursday morning. It was technically on Thursday morning. So yes, the podcast was delayed by a couple of hours, um, but I want you to know that it, there were there were painstaking measures were taking, taken to make sure that an all-new, totally fresh podcast got up on uh, Monday. I mean, on, on last Thursday. So there you go. That's the story behind that. And then I got home on Sunday night into Monday, and I go, okay, after that whole ordeal of last week's podcast, what's the plan for this week's podcast? And I sat there and I go, okay, well, what am I excited about in the world of wrestling? Extreme Rules, of course. Extreme Rules is this weekend, Sunday. Uh, Not only am I excited about it, because the pay-per-view card is actually pretty good. You know, Raw and SmackDown haven't been the best Raw and SmackDown have been, but if you just look at the card, and we will in the state of wrestling, it's a pretty good show that we have coming up on Sunday. The other reason I'm excited about it is because I'll be back on the kickoff show. I'll be sitting on the panel with Renee Young, David Otunga, and Booker T on the kickoff show, which still, it's now been well over a year and a half of doing these kickoff shows for WWE. Every single show is like, oh my God, pinch me. This is a dream come true. I can't believe this is happening. How did I get here? Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory amazingness. Like, just crazy. So, These are some of my favorite weekends. I love them. I can't wait to do it. And I said, you know, you know who we should have on the podcast this week? We should have my colleague, the person that I'll be working with on the pre-show panel. He was on uh, a few months ago when some controversy broke on the internet about fake beef between him and Corey Graves. And is this a work? And is it not a work? And we got to the bottom of it. And I thought it was fine time to get to the bottom of things again with my co-worker and friend Booker T. Booker T, of course, uh, along with his co-host Brad Gilmore, does the show Heated Conversations, which is a radio show out there in Houston, but also a podcast. Uh, he did a brilliant thing, which is he did last time WWE was in LA. It was a pay-per-view. I don't remember what it was, but he did a live show after the pay-per-view, which is smart because the pay-per-views end early out there in LA. Instead of 11 p.m., they end at 8 p.m. So he did a live show out there after the pay-per-view, and instead of releasing it as a podcast, he put it together and he released it as an album. So you can actually buy the show, cause just cause, and it's smart because it's so full of stories from like himself and from Kurt Angle and from Corey Graves and all this stuff that comes out of people when they get around Booker because he's a colleague of theirs. Um, So he put it out as an album and released it on iTunes, and it's now streaming on Apple Music and Spotify and Tidal and all those sources. Um, So he's a busy guy. But he had time for me. I reached out, and uh, he and Brad were gracious enough to make some time for me this week. So it's a conversation, a heated conversation, that I thought I'd like to share with you Ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, as we head towards Extreme Rules, the man who will be sitting next to me, within two seats of me, on the kickoff show panel, ladies and gentlemen, back on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, my guest this week is none other than Booker T. 
And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Well, with only a few days at this point to go until I'm reunited with this man uh, at Extreme Rules in Pittsburgh, I thought it only fitting to invite him back on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, the king is here. Booker T is back. What's going on, Booker? What's the haps? Hey, man. You know me, man. I'm always working, man. I'm always taking care of business down here. You know, the, the work never ends here in the H, man. But um, I'm doing good, man. What about yourself? I mean, I can tell that you're always working. I was looking at you on Instagram earlier this week, and I was like, this guy is looking jacked. You're a big guy. Hey, man, I've been, I've been in the gym training, man. You know, you know what the T-shirt says, man, looking real jack, baby. Um, you know, that's my moniker, man. You know, stand in the gym, man, lifting for life, man. Body beautiful um, is something me and my training partner used to say more than, you know, 25 years ago, you know, so I'm still trying hard, man. Yeah, do you, uh, especially with now you have the long, luscious hair, I guess, I don't know, is there a, it looked like there's a professional photographer in the studio, and you just wanted to share, it was almost like it was the cover of like a black romance novel. Like, <laughs> like you had that, that Fabio long hair, and you were flexing the bicep and everything, and just letting everybody you know. know. Was, that, that, was whole, that, that whole thing was improv, man. You know, Brad Gilmore, my partner, you know him, uh, he said, hey man, we got a uh, you know, a photographer going to be in the studio today, you know, I didn't know if I should wear, you know, a suit, you know, uh, you know, come in, you know, looking dapper. No, he came what. out, sun's out, guns out. Yeah, right. But, but I was just finishing up at the gym, man. I was like, you know, I was riding in the, in the Corvette, <laughs> you know, with the top down that day, you know, so I was like, I'm going to throw the sunglasses on, man. And, you know, you know, you remember the song, you know, I wear my sunglasses <laughs> at night. You know, that's the way I felt, man. You know what I mean? Riding down the highway. So it was a good day at the studio. It was also, I feel like it was really good timing for you to wear something like that. Because at the same time as those pictures come out, everybody on the internet is posting stories about how Booker T says that he's not necessarily retired. Booker T might be coming back for one match. And then you go over to your Instagram and the most recent picture is like, oh, Booker still got it. <laughs> Look at him. He looks the same. So so what 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 brought you to make that proclamation on your show that you ne never necessarily said that you were retired and that and that having one more match, if not several more matches, was not necessarily out of the question. Well, my thing is this, you know, um uh, you know, I went in the Hall of Fame uh, 2013, you know, a lot of people, you know, after they go into the Hall of Fame, you know, that's normally the end. That's normally the, the retirement, you know, um, step is next, you know. But my thing is, you know, you never say never. You never count yourself, especially a fighter. You know, we, we never, you know, know when that last match is going to be. We always say, you know, man, we got one more run in us, you know what I mean? So my thing is um, I'm in good shape. Uh, I'm not I'm never going to be in a hundred percent tip top shape like when I was 25 or anything like that. But I think for, you know, my age, I think I'm doing pretty good. Um, I, I, I could do more push ups than any any one of my students in my school. Uh, seriously, I could do more. Well, definitely more than me. <laughs> I could do more pull ups uh, than, than all of my students as well. Um, so I say, you know, um, why not go out there and, you know, uh, have, you know, one more match, you know, if I can do it, you know, because when it's all over and said and done, man, you know, uh, I'm not going to be able to do this one day, you know. So while I can still do it, I say, hey, go out there and have some fun. But let's, let's get this straight. Let's get this straight first and foremost. I don't want anyone out there thinking 
that I'm planning on coming back to a SummerSlam or a WrestleMania match or anything like that. If I was to do it, it would be a reality of wrestling. It would be, you know, one of my students just to show them exactly what I go out there and teach them um, just so they'll know they're getting it, you know, um, from a right perspective. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, because when Shawn Michaels retired for the first time, his first comeback match was not the SummerSlam match with Triple H. He had his real first one more match when he said he was done was with for his own promotion, for his school, because it, he, he was putting back in to this thing that he was building. So that's more where your mind is at. You're not looking for the big SummerSlam WrestleMania payday. You're looking to take this and bring the eyes to the thing that you're building, as well as, I guess, the, the tools that being in the ring with somebody like you would, would bring. Well, well, if I was to do it, it would be a payday. You know what I mean? Uh, reality of wrestling, you know, we do our eye pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, more importantly than that, you know, um, to be able to go out there and mix it up with, you know, one of my students, you know, you know, I've got several students that's been with me for quite some time, you know, um, to be able to go out there and, you know, actually mix it up. I'm sure that would be, um, you know, bu- you know, one off the bucket list for one of my students to yeah. actually get it in, you know, uh, mingle uh, with their sensei. That that would be uh, awesome. I know I wish I would have had a chance to go out there and wrestle, you know, my trainer, Scott, Scott Casey. You know, uh, that would have been, you know, one of those moments where I say, wow, you know, that was one of those awesome, awesome deals, you know. So my thing is I want to still be able to go out and perform, have fun um, and hang it up when it's time for me to hang it up right now. I said I was going to retire when I was 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to 40, and um, I said, man, I'm still better than all these guys. You know, so, <laughs> no, so, so 43 rolled around, you know, and I'm like, man, you know, man, man, let me do this run with Cody Rhodes and see how good, I, I, you know, I still am, you know, if I still got it. Now, when I, and if you go back and watch the performance with Cody Rhodes, mm-hmm. um, I, I thought it was some pretty good work. I, I thought I was still working at a very, very high level. And, and I don't think I've dropped off too far from um, that, that match with Cody Rhodes. So to be able to go out and, and perform, that's what life's all about. Do it till you cannot do it anymore. I, me and Brad, we talk about it all the time on the show. How are you going to tell a man that he can't go out? And feed his family. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. But I'm going to connect the dots too with what you just said. Okay, you just said when you came back then for the run with Cody, you were looking around, going, "Man, I'm still better than a lot of these guys." You also just said that you now feel like you're in just as good a shape as when you came back and did your thing with Cody, which means you're in the same shape that you were then. Which means connecting the dots on some level. You're watching today going, man, I'm better than a lot of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell you right now, on any given night, um, one night, you know, these guys go out and let's, let's give them their props. Sam, let's, let's be real. These guys go out and they perform on a, of course. you know, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. You know, they, they, they go out and they do WrestleMania. And then the following night, the road to WrestleMania starts all over again. Um, on any given one night, I can go out and perform at a very, very high level. I don't know how I'm going to feel that next day, though. That's the thing. <laughs> you know? But, but um, to go out and perform. Um, at a very high level, I, I still think I can do it. Um, uh, but the thing is, you know, my mind um, says that. I don't know exactly what my body um, is, is really saying because I talk to Brad all the time and I always say, you know, time off is a wrestler's 
worst enemy. You know, um, going out there and, you know, conditioning your body to get hit all over again. That's that's something that I hadn't, you know, been a part of in quite some time. Yeah, but let me say this, Sam. You know, because yeah. a few years ago, Harlem Heat had their retirement match at Reality of Wrestling. This is like three years ago. Yeah. Right. And we we're going over the match before they're supposed to go out. And it was it was scheduled. I had the run sheet. It said 12 to 14 minutes, <laughs> right? And we're out there, and then the 35-minute mark hits <laughs> before the bell rings. So Book can still go. He, he might want to say time off is bad. It's, the it's guy a, went over his time, it, you know, which thing, you should have gotten fired for. Well, the, the thing is, it's, it's a mental uh, um, thing. You know, wrestling is all mental. Um, uh, physicality part is, I would say, probably 40, 35% maybe. The mental aspect of um, going out there and performing – you know, it's like riding a bike. Um, so I really think I can go out there and do it. But I'm going to tell uh, you, know, to, to um, top what Brad just said, man, that day after that final heat match, man, I was beat up. I was bruised, <laughs> battered, and torn. But it was um, it was uh, almost, uh, you know, it felt good in, in a sense, you know, to know that I could still go out there and take a beating and keep on going. Based on the tidbit that Brad just gave us, is it difficult to, to run your shows when you're telling your students, okay, you're going to go out there, hit your time, hit your time, it's so important to hit your time, and then they look at you and go, book, you went 20 minutes over on the last show. Who are you talking to? <laughs> you know, you get caught up in the moment sometimes. <laughs> no, I'm serious. NXT was just in town a month ago, man. And um, I retired to Spinneroony in my hospital room, you know, after having uh, elbow surgery. You know, that's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm done. You know, this is the final time you'll never see the spinner rooney ever again guys he is officially retired a month ago nxt was in town i went down just to see velveteen dream you know one of my kids that i trained in the tough enough and uh he was like coach come down and check me out so i went down to see him now, of course when i get down there they say hey book we want you to get in the ring and say a few <laughs> words for the houston fans i get in the ring you know say a few words i got old flip-flops all right <laughs> and the fans start yelling spin a rudy spin a rudy and i go to hell with it man i'm in my city Ooh, let me see if i can still do it first and foremost but, but i tell you it was one of the best spin a rooney's quite some time you know so you know you, your mind can win you to go out and do things man but there's not a part of you that goes like okay wouldn't it be nice to do maybe one or two matches for reality of wrestling get some eyes on the product get some experience for the people that i'm training and then maybe also go and do a match with aj styles a match with daniel bryan a match with one of these guys on a <laughs> wwe pay-per-view you know what i'm gonna tell you right now if, if the opportunity was to present itself um I'll, it's no way that I would be able to turn it down. Right. I, I can't say that. It's no way that I would be able to say, no, I'm not going to go back out there and, you know, do what I've done so well for so many years. Um, what has brought me to the table, you know, professional wrestling is my claim to fame. That's, that's, that's what made me who I am today. Um, and, and I still feel like I can go out there and perform at a very high level with AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, yeah. um, uh, you know, a, a Bobby Roode. I've been in the ring with all of those guys, you know, so my thing is, uh, you know, um, I will be looking forward to, you know, going out there and doing something. Kevin Owens, man, I love to get in the ring with a Kevin Owens or, or Roman Reigns, you know, so my thing is out I, 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 to test yourself, you know, that's that's what men do. We test ourselves each and every day, and um, I would love to be able to go out there and test myself at that level on a one-time occasion. Let's get that straight. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> isn't it isn't it a wild thing though that in 2018 when you're going over like Booker T dream matches in a WWE ring that half of them already took place in TNA? 
Yeah, yeah. You know what crazy. I mean? Like, I, I don't think anybody would have expected that. You know, uh, Brad and I, we were just talking about this last week um, that I've gotten a chance to wrestle, you know, with champions like, you know, the Nature Boy Ric Flair all the way to the current champion today, AJ Styles, you know. And I don't know too many wrestlers have, you know, had a chance to, you know, you know, sit and say, you know, something like that, man. It, it's a, that's an awesome stat, you know, uh, for, and for me to be a part of it, my, for my name to be, you know, in there, man, is is pretty cool, you know. And and not 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 to you know leave off, it may be one more, you know what I mean. I, I could have one more match <laughs> with one of those guys, you know. So my thing is, man, I'm 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 happy, I'm content, I'm where I'm at right now. You know, people ask me all the time, do you miss it, you know? And and I say no, I, I don't I don't miss it, um, because I got a chance to actually do everything I wanted to do. In wrestling, um, but I, I look at myself now and I say, man, you know, hey, why not, you know, push the limit and see if see how far you actually can go. Yeah, and the thinking is, I would think that at some point you won't be able to do it. What if you want to do it at that point and you realize, ah, I could have done this five years ago and I didn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I, 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 I um, I was, um, I tried out for the Gladiators, um, you know, way back in the day, you know, and. Uh, American Gladiators. Yeah, the, right? yeah, the American Gladiators, and um, I um, I fell out in the first round. Um, I had to do you know fifty push-ups on, on my fingertips, and I and I wasn't prepared for that. You know, I just didn't train for that that one task. And um, but but I don't look back and say, you know, man, I wish I would have tried. You know, and that's one thing I tell young people. You know, you never want to wake up one day saying, man, I wish I did that when I had a chance to. Um, because you can't go back in time or anything like that. So, hey, I'm living, you know, in the present. You know, you look, you you saw the post. You know, everybody saw, you know, Booker T. I'm still looking good. I'm still looking jacked. <laughs> I'm in I'm in the best shape, you know, of of a 53 year old man's um, life. You know, I look at, you know, a lot of the guys that I performed with back in the day, and um, and I say, man, Book, you you're doing pretty good. You, you're doing pretty good for yourself. Just keep it up. Uh, more importantly, you know, um, I got I got one championship match still left um, on the docket, and that's to see my little girl walk down the aisle. Really, that's the only one. Yeah, she's uh, seven years old. Um, but I got to keep training. Um, I got to stay in the gym. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, to actually, to, you know, uh, meet that championship match. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be. You got to still look like Booker T. When that whoever the whoever the person is. Oh yes, you got yeah. has to know that that's <laughs> you know what I'm that's the you guy who's at home. About, right? I know. So that's the championship match, man, that I'm training for right now. But if any other matches come in, you know, um, um, in between uh, that date, you know what I mean? Hey, I, I'm gonna be more than real. Hey, preparation is the only luck that we're ever gonna have that's right. in life. That's right. And I'll tell you this: I'm gonna do whatever I can to get on the kickoff show for whatever show that you end up on, just so I can say, let me tell you something about this Booker T. He's a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big guy. <laughs> hey man, I'm more than a big guy, man. <laughs> my thing is, man. You know, my thing is, uh, from a performance standpoint, man. You know, it's what it's, it's the scariest thing in the world. You know, to walk out of that curtain at a, at, you know, even at 25, at 30, you know, 35, it's, it's it's the scariest thing to walk out of that curtain. You know, knowing, you know, and wondering, you know, if you're gonna go out there and make a mistake or anything like that. That's the thing that I always. That always frightened me, you know what I mean, and I'm and I'm sure now it, it will frighten me even more. You know, my, the butterflies will be all over the place, you know, lacing up my boots, you know, putting my tights on, um, you know, getting ready to make that walk, you know. So, man, life is life is fun. 
uh, I've talked to you before, you know, we've done kickoff shows before and, and, and we've had conversations about how when you're doing raw commentary every week, it becomes a lot easier to do the kickoff show. And I've talked to Graves about it. Like, you know, at this point, Corey Graves doesn't barely do any preparation before he does commentary on a show because he does commentary on all the shows. He's inundated with the product. He knows all the stories. He knows what's going on. He's, he's told all the stories. And that makes it easier to continue to tell the stories. Now that you go home for four weeks and then come back for the for the kickoff shows, is there anything that you do to prepare, like, you know, the Extreme Rules kickoff show is coming up this weekend. I got to be aware of all the stories going on and everything. Is there anything that you have to do the week of to prepare for a show like that? You know, um, what's really been cool um, for me um, is to be able to step away from it, to be able to step back into it. It's just like, you know, I'm stepping away from the raw commentary table. Yeah. And then, you know, like next month, I, I think I got to go back for a date. And um, I, I don't know a whole lot of the stories that's going on um, per se as far as, you know, exactly what this guy's doing with that guy. But I do know exactly what these guys feel going into that situation. So I'm able to cover it a right. whole lot better. I'm able to look at it from a total analytic perspective opposed to a stat perspective. And I think that makes me feel so much more comfortable coming back and leaving and coming back, you know, and now even going to the kickoff show on Sunday, same thing, you know, um, for that show, I, I'll prepare, I'll prep for that show. I'll make sure I know everything that's going on as far as what we're talking about, but I'll still give an analytic perspective opposed to a stat perspective because I don't think that's what I'm good at. Um, I let the stat guys be the stat guys, and I just go out and try to have fun. You might catch me singing on the show more than <laughs> I'm talking. <laughs> but that's also, I mean, that's the reason you're sitting there, right? The reason we listen to Booker T give his thoughts on matches we're about to see is because we want to get the perspective of the guy that's been in the ring under every circumstance imaginable. Well, that's what's great about having you there. You look at it from a certain perspective. You know, um, David Otonga, he looks at it from a di different perspective. I look at it from a different perspective. Right. And I think together we have a, a great nucleus. And, you know, if everybody was the same, if everyone, you know, played the sport, you know, it, it wouldn't be that fun. You know what I mean? We wouldn't be able to bounce off each, each other, I think, the way that we do. Um, but but right now, I, I think is I think is great chemistry um, for me. Um you know, knowing your role, I'm a utility guy. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm the perfect utility guy. You know, in 28 years I've been in the business and people always wonder, man, you know, why do you still, you know, how, how do you last, man? You know, and what keeps you going? I'm like a chameleon, man. You got to know how to change your spots. You know what I mean? You got to know how to change your colors. You got to know how to adapt to certain situations. And for me, um, working with you. Um, you know, working with Petey Boy, you know, <laughs> David, man, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great thing. I love it. That's amazing to hear. Oh, back to Booker in a minute, but my guys, my guys at SeatGeek are treating you right. You know how much I love SeatGeek. They are such a big supporter of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast and a company that I would say just for that reason alone is worth going to. Luckily, their product is amazing as well. SeatGeek, it's an app, it's on your phone, and it is the best, smartest, and easiest way to get tickets to any event that you want to see. Wrestling, other sports, concerts, comedy, Broadway, whatever you want, whatever's available, SeatGeek is going to have it. Not only is SeatGeek going to have it, but they've got a way to make sure that you get to sit where you want to sit. How's that? They got seating charts for every event. You download the app on your phone. I have it on my phone. I download the app, 
which I did. I searched for the event that I want to see, whether it's NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, whether it's whatever, Jay-Z and Beyonce on the run too at MetLife Stadium. Whatever it is that I want to see, WrestleMania 35 is coming to MetLife Stadium. It's going to be a tough ticket, not with SeatGeek. You go, you see the seating chart. You pick out what seats you want. If you don't really care where you sit, you just want to make sure you don't get ripped off, you want to make sure you get the best deal possible, then go by the grading. Because every seat has a, has a color-coded rating that lets you know what the best value seats are in the building. And they get that value by using data across the board from every major ticket service that you can think of. It really is amazing. At SeatGeek, you're going to get seats that are guaranteed to be authentic every time, no embarrassments when you get to the ticket taker, and you're going to get the best value. Uh, and it's easy. It's really, really easy. It's fun. You're going to be the hero of your entire group of friends because you're going to be the guy who gets the ticket. You're the plug, buddy. You're the plug, and it's all thanks to SeatGeek. Now, you're probably telling me, Sam, I understand that SeatGeek is going to give me the best deal possible. I want a better deal. Fine. No problem. You know why? Because you listen to this podcast, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. So here's what I want you to do. When you download that SeatGeek app, enter promo code SAM. Just go into the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SAM, S-A-M. What's that going to do for you? $20 off your first purchase. First time you use SeatGeek, you're getting $20 off. All because of promo code SAM. Put it in now. Download the app. Get tickets to what you want to see. It is so good. And now, back to Booker T. You know, speaking of of knowing how to adapt, I was thinking about that and thinking, you know, kind of in more broad terms because I was reading a tweet that you retweeted or you responded to that Lance Storm sent out talking about watching you uh, on earlier episodes of Nitro on the network. And really, like, you know, when you when you go through what's on the network, it puts your career into a huge perspective uh, in the sense that you've kind of been in every position there is to be in. You were in that tag team position. You were in that singles mid-card position. You were in that main event position, then back to the mid-card. All these spots where there are guys who either don't, get out of that spot or end up leaving the business before they get out of that spot or whatever it is. You hear from some people that there are these glass ceilings. Well, you know, creative had me pinned in this position and I was never going to get out of it. And, you know, this was just, it was never going to happen for me. And I could tell that it was never going to happen. But for you, you know, I've never known you to feel like you've been stuck in those funks. It seems like you always figure out how to make the best of the position that you're in. And it, why, for you, does it never seem like that glass ceiling has existed? You know, uh, I guess I guess Dallas Page probably said it best than, than anybody. <laughs> uh, you know, when I was doing the G.I. Bro gimmick, you right. know, and I was in the uh, bathroom putting my paint on, and he walked by, you know, with a disgusted look on his face, <laughs> like, you know, what is this guy doing? You know what I mean? And he's like, bro, you okay, bro? And I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, man, you know. You know, but the thing is, I used to work for a living. You know what I mean? Right. I, I used to, when I, before I was 25 years old, I used to work for a living. Um, since I was 25 years old, I have not worked a day. I really haven't. You know, I've loved every single moment of my life past 25, even before 25 years old, I loved certain parts, but past 25 years old, I've loved every aspect of this life since I've gotten the business. Um, it's been an escape for me. It's been great. Um, my father, you know, passed away when I was 10 months old, but 
you know, I hear stories, you know, how I used to always say, you know, cream rises to the top. Mm-hmm. And and I always believed in my talent. I always knew how good I was. I always knew, um, you know, that I could perform um, with the best wrestlers in the world. It's a it's a story about Booker T, you know, going around, even now the young lad saying, you know, he's top five in the business, you know what I mean? He's, you know, what number are you? It really didn't matter. I knew I was top five, you know, <laughs> in the world, you know what I mean? Even though it was just a joke. Right. To, 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 but but for me, it made me um, go out and perform, you know, um, at, at, a, at a very, at a very, very high level, you know what I mean? So um, life, you know, I, I tell you, um, Life have thrown, has thrown me so many, you know, bumps in the road. Um, when I got in this business, everything was gravy after that, Sam. And, I, and, that's, and that's the truth. You know, um, winning, it wasn't about winning and losing or anything like that with me. Um, I, I can honestly tell you, my brother and I in, in, in a tag team, um, I lost perhaps 99% of the matches in the tag team um, uh, losses that we had just because I say, man, I, it doesn't matter if I lose. I just couldn't let the team lose. If my brother lost, the team lost. You know what I mean? So I would go out and make them forget about it the next night. It wasn't a, I would lose I, a match and let and let the baby faces leave and still raise my hand as if I won. <laughs> you know, no, seriously. You know, so it was all about the performance. It was all about the entertainment um, that I could bring those fans. And I, I knew as a young man that if the fans were bringing Booker T signs, Harlem Heat signs, their following um, shortly after that was going to be tag team championships and, <laughs> you know, uh, bigger paydays and, and uh, bigger spots on the card. But you got to go out there and prove yourself. And I learned that, and, you know, as, as a very young man, uh, when I came home from prison, uh, uh, Sam, in and, and 19, um, 1987, um, I, I knew um, I knew that. Um, excuse me, 89, uh, I knew that I had to be uh, a different man. I knew I had to go out there and prove myself to people. I, I just couldn't go out there and, you know, say, you know, man, they should just trust me. I had to go out there and earn that trust, you know, and, and it's no different in the wrestling business. I went out there and I tried to earn each and every, you know, spot that I would I would get no matter where it was. When I left WCW and went to WWE, I left every accolade behind. And I went over there to prove myself to those guys in the locker room because I say, if you don't make it in the locker room, you have no chance at making it in the, in the ring. So I went over there and I showed those guys, hey, I'm willing to be a team player. 28 years later, is that's the reason why I'm still here talking to you right now today. That takes so much perspective, man. The the, the I mean that that's macro thinking. I talk about that sometimes. The difference between macro and micro. The difference between worrying about how you feel in this moment right now versus what this means to the big picture. And it sounds like it almost sounds like the minute you get out of prison life the your perspective on life changes to the point where my actions do have consequences and everything that i'm doing counts to what the big picture of this life this career this whole existence is going to look like yeah i mean it's it's it, it, that, that's true you know i mean um uh, you know um, you you walk um down the same path um that you walk up you know um i'm being presented with the uh, luther the award um, next week, wow. and uh, it's for my uh, it's, it's it's for the you know work that I've done outside of the ring, uh, opposed to the work that I've done inside of the ring, and that right there, it means a lot to me. It means so so much to be 
um, you know, recognized for, you know, what what I'm doing and what I'm, you know, going to continue to do, you know, to the day that I die. And that's, you know, you know, bring up the next guy, man, you know, uh, pass it on, pass the knowledge on, you know, um, you know, I've seen so many people, you know, along the way that want to keep that knowledge for themselves. But for me, um, I'm just I'm fortunate. Uh, I'm so fortunate to be in this position that I am in right now today. I really am. I wanted to ask you what your take was because you're a fight fan. Of course, you uh, you 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 caused some waves on the last kickoff show by mentioning CM Punk, but everybody knows that uh, <laughs> everybody knows that you're a UFC watcher. And Brock made a lot of waves uh, at the last UFC fight when uh, he got in the octagon. He shoved Cormier after Cormier had won. He yeah. called Stipe a piece of shit after Stipe had lost. I mean, he, he was it was it was. <laughs> Brock to the fullest extent of Brock. I'm watching it, and I'm going, I love this. To me, and I think really, if you look at when the most eyes are paying attention to UFC, when UFC takes a pro wrestling turn, whether it's with Chael Sonnen and Anderson Silva, whether it's Conor McGregor, whether it's John Bones Jones, whether it's, you know, Cormier at his best, when these guys take some pages out of the pro wrestling book, when UFC starts to get booked a little bit more like pro wrestling— the fights become immensely more exciting. and But I think the hardcore MMA fans hate that. I think that the hardcore, there were a lot of UFC fans when I tweeted about how great it was. The UFC fans thought it was a joke. I know the Jim Norton, who I do the radio with, he wasn't upset about it, but he, he felt like Brock insulting Stipe, you know, was poor sportsmanship, and that's not really what UFC is supposed to be about, but... To me, I saw the business of it and, you know, being exposed to pro wrestling for as many years as I've been exposed to, I kind of immediately saw what was going on and loved it. What did you think of the Brock Lesnar Cormier confrontation? Well, I think um I think the um MMA fans need to to realize, you know what I mean? Um you know, it is entertainment, um first and foremost. Um and every, you know, sport, I don't care, you know, what it is, you know, controversy always seems to um, bring more people, you know, more eyes on it. I don't care, you know, baseball, you know, Barry Buns, you know what I mean? McGuire hitting home runs, you know, eyes was on him. You know what I mean? Muhammad Ali, you know, talking about Joe Frazier, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, it was it was eyes on him, you know what I mean? So Brock Lesnar, you know, coming into the the UFC and and, and, and creating havoc, you know, um, of course, uh, you know, a lot of fans aren't going to want it, but I'm sure the UFC um, is is eating it up, you know what I mean? To bring, you know, uh, you know not to, you know, um, harp on the CM Punk thing, but to yeah. bring CM Punk in, into the UFC, I mean, it was all about, you know, about buy rate. It was all about getting more fans and more eyes from the wrestling world onto the into the UFC because you know right now the UFC you know they are struggling for stars uh, and let's yeah. just get it out there. Let's just say it plain and clear. The UFC DC would would not ha have had to move up from light heavyweight to heavyweight if they'd had someone in heavyweight to actually fight. I mean that's 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 just clear to me. Um, Brock Lesnar coming over. I mean, who uh, better to fight DC than a Brock Lesnar? I mean, come on. Um, it's, it's one of those um, uh, chances there again, too, um, to make um, the professional wrestler look bad. But one thing they got to think about is Brock Lesnar is the real deal. Brock Lesnar 
is capable of going over there and beating DC. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you saw the the, the size matchup between DC yeah. and, and Brock, but Brock <laughs> looked like a juggernaut compared <laughs> to DC. And if he got on top of DC, it would be a bad night. We know about Brock Lesnar's background, you know what I mean? NCAA Division One wrestler. He could go and and, and and wrestle with DC on that level, uh, unlike a lot of guys. You know what I mean? So um, for me, it, it's perfect. You know, placement right now for you know DC is perfect placement for the UFC. Uh, it's perfect placement for Brock Lesnar. It's a perfect storm if you look at it. Who do you think wins that fight? You know, it's really hard to say. It's, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a toss up. It really is. I mean, I, I cannot bet against DC. Uh, he's not lost a heavyweight fight. Um, he's gone out and, you know, beaten everyone that that has come in front of him except Bone Jones, which, you know, that's an asterisk by that fight is <laughs> by those two fights as well. Yeah. So my thing is, um, it's hard for me to bet against DC because if DC gets Brock Lesnar on his back, is going to be a bad night with an Olympic caliber wrestler is on top of you. Yeah, I think that's what people forget is that Brock Lesnar has that freak show factor where he looks like this intimidating guy. He comes from the world of pro wrestling, but everybody forgets, keep going down that list, and he's an Olympic level amateur wrestler. Like he's yeah, he got that, that competitive fight background. Well, and, and he's won the heavyweight championship in right. UFC before. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And how great would it be, though, Sam and Book, if y'all think about it? Say Brock you know, defends the universal title in a couple months, holds on to it, and ends up fighting D.C., beats D.C. for the heavyweight championship, and then goes into the next WWE pay-per-view well, as the first ever WWE-UFC simultaneous champion. Wow, that would be big. It'd and be how incredible. Great would that be? Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. But that's, and that's a good question, and Book, I'd like your perspective on it. If... if Brock goes in because theoretically this fight, uh, I believe, I think, uh, you know, I follow, I think Ariel Hawani wrote this, you know, based on the USADA, getting back into the USADA pool and running out Brock's suspension. The earliest this fight could happen is January. It's totally conceivable, especially with the schedule of the title defenses, that Brock could still be the universal champion in January. It's totally conceivable that he could walk in to that UFC fight with Daniel Cormier whenever it happens as WWE Universal Champion. Is that a move that you would make based on the fact that, yeah, Brad is right. If he can win and be WWE and UFC Champion, it looks great for WWE. But does it hurt WWE if he loses a UFC fight as WWE Champion or are fans smart enough to know that it's two different things at this point? Yeah, I think I really think fans are smart enough to know that it is two different things. But uh, on the other, you know, on the other hand, it would be great for the WWE um, to have Brock Lesnar actually go over and you know pull something off like it, win or lose. You know what I mean? Um, it's a positive. You know, I, I don't think um, it's a black eye on the WWE just because. You know, Brock Lesnar is a legitimate badass. You yeah. know, I don't, I don't think anyone is going to, yeah. you know, call Brock Lesnar out to a fight in a bar. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? You know, you know, you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, any way it goes, uh, I think this is a great situation. Um, like Brad said, if Brock could pull something off like that, uh, what would that mean for his career and oh. his bank account? Oh, my first and God. Foremost, oh, know? And, my what, God. and what would it mean for whoever beats Brock for the universal title? 
I right? mean, doesn't yeah, it inherently make them more special? A hundred percent. I mean, if you've yeah. got a guy who not only beat The Undertaker, but is now held WWE and UFC gold at the same time. Yeah, I would say the guy that beats him is made for life. The one person that's not going to like it, though, is Dana White. You know, he's going to be. (laughs) Although, you know, that was the most telling thing of the whole thing. If you watch that Cormier Brock Lesnar confrontation, Dana White's smile as the chaos is breaking out across that octagon, the smile on Dana White's face is ear to ear. I mean, he sees dollar signs. Um, you gotta, you gotta wonder, man. Like I say, I think it, I think it'd be great um, for for WWE. I think it'd be great for UFC. I, I think it'd be great for um, the fan uh, more than anything. The, the the WWE fan as well as the UFC fan bringing it together. Brock Lesnar, DC Cormier. I, I, I love it. I, and he's I love still it. a top three UFC draw of all time with oh, Conor yeah. and Ronda. I mean, yeah. it's not like he's not going to bring in. People are like, well, why why would he get a heavyweight championship shot? Why wouldn't he get a heavyweight championship? Well, well yeah, right now, right. the heavyweight division in the UFC, um, uh, it's no one in there that's going to entertain you to the point to where uh, Brock Lesnar um, could bring you. I mean, there's no one's going to bring the numbers that Brock Lesnar could bring in the heavyweight division. That's why I say right now, the UFC is looking for stars, and the biggest star that they can find right now at this moment in time is, even over um, John Jones, is Brock Lesnar. I think that's right. And speaking of stars, something I've been meaning to ask you. You and Brad were out at WrestleMania. I think we talked about this before. Uh, you, 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 you were a dirt sheet writer for a day. You were doing the interviews. Uh, you did heated conversations live at Media Row. Being on that side, and it's different doing Media Row than it is because, of course, you interview guys all the time for heated conversations. But being part of Media Row, that's when you see guys completely media trained. That's when you see guys, you know, hyping up WrestleMania, the biggest weekend of the year. Like that's a, that's a very unique perspective that I feel a lot of guys in your position don't get to sit in the chair that you sat in, the chair that I sit in, the chair where you get to, you know, watch the guys promote and not only the show, but themselves and everything. Was there anybody that weekend doing media row that stood out to you as you were interviewing them, hyping up WrestleMania as like, wow, this guy or girl, has their stuff together. You know, the one guy, uh, the one guy, Braun Strowman. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason why um, Braun Strowman, um, he impressed me so much was um, how intelligent he was. Yeah. You know, how, um, you know, even killed he, he was during the interview. Um, you know, he wasn't the monster that you saw on television. And and, and, and I tell people all the time, you know, I, I was never the, the heel or the you know, when I when I left the arena or anything, I wasn't the even the same baby face I was when I left the arena. I was just Booker T when I left the arena. And to see Braun Strowman know exactly what this game is all about in his young, you know, um, tenure of you know his career, I give him a whole lot of credit. Um, he's a guy that's going to go a long way and going to be remembered as one of the greatest big men in our sport. Um, so, so Braun Strowman. You know, awesome, awesome interview. And if I could say something, Sam, yeah, what absolutely. I noticed being there, and I'm sure you went through it, you know, when you're coming from the outside and you're a media guy and you're trying and you're interviewing these guys, you're trying to gain their respect, right? And you're trying to say that, yeah, I know where you come from. I'm I'm a part of the business. You, we can we can see eye to eye on stuff. But when you're sitting there with Booker, Booker already has all of these guys' respect. So they 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 answer the questions I think differently than they would if they're coming oh. for you or I. One of the guys that stood out to me was AJ Styles. Yeah. When Book asked him, "So how you feeling going into this match?" AJ was like super honest and was like, "I'm a little nervous. People are building this match up with Shinsuke to be like a 12 star match. I don't know if I can deliver that." 
And I was taken aback by that because when he's trying to promote a WWE championship match at WrestleMania and he's going out there telling someone in the media that he's nervous, I was like, I would have never gotten that out of him. But yeah. Book being there, of course, uh, he's he talking, definitely gets that. He's talking to yeah, a peer and, when he's talking to Booker. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I noticed the same thing. You know, Booker and I just dropped our live album, Live in Hollywood, where we um, had a bunch of guys like Corey Graves, Gold Dust, Kurt Angle, all those guys on the show. And it's an, it was another instance there in a live environment. Booker could get these guys to tell stories that they probably wouldn't anywhere else. And by the way, genius move, because I saw you guys did the I, I remember when you guys did the live show and I was like, I want I guess they're just recording a podcast. You're the only guys that think of the fact that you're like, no, this isn't a podcast. This is an album. You can buy this one. You don't. This isn't just going on the feed. And I was like, I'm a fool. I've been giving everything away. This is this is the way to do things. My God, these guys are smart. Um, well, everybody check out Heated Conversations, of course, with Brad and Booker. Uh, also, it's a radio show. It's a podcast. It's everything. Also, of course, the... Uh, the Live in Hollywood show is available on all streaming services, but it's an album. So don't look for it in a podcast section. Look for it in the album section, and you'll get all that great content. And uh, Reality of Wrestling there in Houston, where at some point you actually may see Booker T uh, put the boots back on. Um, if if Booker does put the boots back on in Houston, you know, at Reality Wrestling, Sam, you got to come down and we'll do a pre-show about that. How about that? You You send me the invite, and I promise you I will be there. You got it, uh, don't and don't bluff, because I will go. I will go. Don't uh, <laughs> <All right, man. laughs> don't bluff, uh, Booker. I will see you at Extreme Rules, and I appreciate you uh, being a part of the podcast. You got it, bro. Anytime, man. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Hey, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast listeners. This is Wade Keller from Pro Wrestling Torch. You might have heard me on Sam's show. If you enjoy our conversations on pro wrestling, be sure to check out my shows. They drop four times per week. We have two shows early in the week, the post shows following Raw and SmackDown. We talk to an on-site correspondent about things that did not air in crowd reaction and also have a co-host, live callers, and a mailbag segment. And then later in the week, my two shows on Podcast One are the Thursday Flagship and Interview Friday. Just search Wade Keller in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere else to listen to Pro Wrestling Podcasts. That's Wade Keller. Subscribe to both the red logo and the blue logo. Here is Sam Roberts. So thanks to Booker T. I can't wait to see him. And I could talk, I could talk to that guy for a long, long time. Both of us have things going on, but otherwise this podcast would end up being five or six hours and it would just be me throwing questions at Booker T and listening to his take on things. That's why he's so good. He just got to take on everything. Whatever you throw at him, he's got an opinion, and it's interesting, and it's thought out, and there's usually some experience behind it. And we talked about that a little bit in terms of, of why certain people sit at that table on the kickoff show. And you can't understate or overstate. You could understate it. You can't overstate the value of Booker T's experience. And when you look over that career, and we talked about it a little bit in terms of there not being a glass ceiling for Booker T, but when you look at that career, there's very few guys that have been involved and successfully been involved with as many different scenarios, whether it's in WCW or WWE, as Booker T. Many pitfalls, many moments where you would think, okay, that's it for this guy. Many things that you couldn't have worked out of. And Booker worked out of all of them. And it really is uh, interesting. If you're going to talk about wrestling with somebody, Booker T is a good person to talk about wrestling with. Speaking about 
talking about, speaking of talking about wrestling, I guess I should say, the 200th episode is coming, and we talked about this last week, and I want you guys to get excited. I don't have the official announcement for you yet. I have a meeting on this coming Tuesday, which is the 17th of July. I'm trying to be transparent so you guys don't think that I'm like uh, teasing and teasing. I thought I would be able to make a meeting for this week. It's not going to work out for this week. I have a meeting July 17th to finalize everything for episode 200, the live show, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, that I want you all to be at. It's going to be in New York City. It's going to be SummerSlam week towards the end of SummerSlam week, okay? Leading to SummerSlam, it'll be within five days before SummerSlam. We'll just put it that way. Um, and I'm, 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 all I need to do, the only reason I'm not giving you more details is because I want everything signed by the venue and I want the on-sale date so I can send you guys directly to get tickets so that everybody can be a part of this thing. I'm already talking to guests and people to be involved in it. So it's going to be a major, major extravaganza. But that's why I don't, I don't have the date for you exactly today. But with the meeting going down July 17th, that's Tuesday. The next podcast comes out July 19th on Thursday. There is no reason in my mind why at that meeting we shouldn't be able to finalize everything and I should have everything for you. And I will tell you at the very beginning, at the top of the podcast, there's no teasing or anything, exactly what's going down for the 200th episode. And if you're going to be in New York, you should be at this show. And if you're not going to be in New York, it's enough lead time now. Get to New York. Be at this show. You can get tickets to Raw and SmackDown and NXT and things like that through SeatGeek and SummerSlam through SeatGeek. So just be there for it. Be here for it. Let's celebrate the fact that Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast will have made it 200 episodes. How many podcasts make it that far? Not too many. 200. By the way, in a row. We didn't miss any podcasts, okay? And we'll talk about this then. But I did a podcast in the maternity ward within a couple of days after my wife had given birth. Last week, we were in Bruges in the middle of a family vacation. We did the podcast every single week, a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast without fail. Uh, and I love doing it, and I love the support that you guys have shown me, and I want to be able to share that with you in person, SummerSlam week, uh, and we'll do that, okay? I promise you we will do that, and I will have the big update for you next week here on the podcast. No more teases. This, this isn't, you know... Brodus Clay is coming up next. Actually, he's not. This is real life. This is happening, okay? Not pro wrestling. Real. Um, speaking of pro wrestling and Monday Night Raw, a lot of people are talking about the fact that this week's episode of Monday Night Raw had the worst ratings, I believe, ever. Let me see if I can get confirmation on that as we speak. Um, it had, uh, I, I believe that it's being reported that they were the worst ratings that Raw has, has had. I don't know if it's ever or, yeah, all-time low total. Um, the total that WWE Raw had this week uh, was 2.47 million viewers. It's down from 2.707 million viewers last week. 2.5 million in the 8 o'clock hour, 2.5 million in the 9 o'clock hour, 2.3 million in the 10 o'clock hour. Okay, so... Uh, you know, it's not like it's... 2.47 is low. But, you know, you're talking about an average throughout the year. Uh, you know, the May 27th Raw did 2.49. Um, 
The May 6th Raw did 2.68. The January 8th Raw did 2.76. The June 4th Raw did 2.52. This one, uh, the low rating is at 2.47 million viewers. Which, look, we shouldn't be having all-time lows right now. But, you know, there's a lot of factors built in. So you do have to look at the fact that you shouldn't be looking at Raw for having an all-time TV total right now because you just can't get people to watch TV in those numbers anymore. On a weekly basis for a weekly show, it's not going to happen. You're not going to have, you know, 8.9, 9.0. Like, it's it's crazy to think that that's going to happen. That's not happening uh, for, for WWE shows. And that doesn't reflect negatively on the product. It just reflects on how people are consuming the product. Let's keep in mind, when we talk about statistics... And we talk about social media and the way people consume content. WWE has one of the biggest channels on all of YouTube. How many people do you know don't have cable and watch YouTube all the time? Because I know a lot, especially young people. So you have to take that into consideration. When we're all kids and we're watching Raw, we're watching on our parents' TV sets. Those are all ratings. Kids now, when they watch Raw, they're doing it in clips on YouTube, they're doing it on Hulu, they're doing it wherever they're doing it. You know, and so so there's that. Now, even within the average, the lower average, because you could still be in the range of 2.8, 2.9, and instead you're down at 2.4, uh, 2.47. I guess if you're going to round, it would be to 2.5. 2.5 million people is still a lot of people, but there is no doubt that it's tough to argue that Monday Night Raw this week was must-see viewing. You know, if you turned on Extreme Rules on Sunday without watching Raw this week, some of the stipulations would be surprises. Mm, You wouldn't know that Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens were in a steel cage match, but there is not this feeling when you watch Raw of, oh my God, If I turn this TV show off during the commercial break, I am not going to know what the conversation is. If I turn this TV, if I turn on a different show, or if I go to bed now, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to be totally out of the loop. This show is nuts. I don't know what's going to happen next. You know, that is not happening. And that's not really the way WWE is anymore, to to an extent. You know, every now and then something pops up where it's like pretty must-see TV. But that's few and far between, and 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 it used to be a little bit more often. Look, I I I think that the storytelling should and will improve on Raw specifically, but on both shows, um, I think that storytelling is key. Storytelling is what keeps people involved. There have been some great matches. I thought Seth Rollins versus. Uh, uh, Drew McIntyre is going to say Drew Galloway, so it took me a second. Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre was great this week. You know, obviously the the Ziggler Rollins match a couple of weeks ago that led to this Iron Man match that we're going to see at the pay per view was incredible. Seth Rollins to me is one of, if not the most valuable players in WWE right now. Seth Rollins is certainly the most valuable person on Raw in my mind, uh, and he he Seth is the guy, in my opinion, he's as close to Shawn Michaels as we've seen since Shawn Michaels. Seth Rollins 
is the guy who, if you look at Braun Strowman like an attraction, I still think that Braun Strowman can have a very successful universal title reign. But when it comes time to take the title off of Braun Strowman and have him fill that role as an attraction, which is a very important role and something that Braun Strowman will be very good at, Seth is going to be the guy. Seth is the guy that can carry that company. Between matches, between promos, between look, between charisma, between the fact that he wants to be there. I'm going to tell you a story about Seth Rollins. The first time I interviewed him, it was uh, at WrestleMania. It might have been. It was WrestleMania 30. Radio Row, WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans. I remember because I interviewed him. I interviewed Big E. I interviewed Daniel Bryan before the big match. I, you know, and those interviews are all, you can look it all up on YouTube. I mean, there's not too many YouTube channels out there that have, you want to go back and watch wrestling interviews over the years? I was doing it before just about anybody was on YouTube. And I've got a lot of them to show. So way back, Radio Row, WrestleMania 30, I think Cesaro's on there too. I talked to Seth Rollins tonight about a 15, 20-minute interview with him. And we talked about wrestling, and we talked about coming to the main roster, and we talked about coming over from Ring of Honor, and we talked about all this stuff. And after the interview, and it was the first time I had met Seth Rollins, the first time Seth Rollins had met me. After the interview, Seth said, uh, well, that was refreshing. Just a good conversation about wrestling. And you never know, because, you know, this, this the idea is that, you know, oh, you don't want to just talk about wrestling. These guys have lives outside of wrestling and these guys, blah, blah, blah. Seth, like a lot of guys who are good at this, are they, they are wrestling fans and they want to be able to talk about wrestling. You know, they don't want to, they on a level that has some professionalism to it, you know, on a level that has some intelligence to it. But a lot of us fans have that level. I think a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, the reason you guys listen to this podcast is because you know, you think about it the way I think about it. You talk about it the way I talk about it. That's why we do this. Um, and but but that stuck with me when he said that because it really showed me that this is a guy who likes to wake up. It's early in the morning. This is a guy who likes to be up at seven o'clock in the morning on WrestleMania weekend. It's his first WrestleMania, by the way. That was the one where it was the Shield uh, in a in a six man tag. Um, this guy, or maybe, no, I think they were in the pre-show of WrestleMania 29 first. But, maybe. But this guy likes to wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning and talk about wrestling. You know, I, I, I really think that the WWE needs to reassess who all their guys are. Needs to reassess what the purposes of these characters are. And needs to create storylines and stick to them. I think the Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns story is a great story. But I think that there is depth in that story that hasn't been, we haven't gotten there. You know, I think we need to put an oil drill into that story and suck the juice out of it. You know, and I'll talk about this on the kickoff show. But when I interviewed Bobby Lashley, Months and months before he returned to WWE. He said he wanted to return to WWE and he had two matches in mind. Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. This is a match that Bobby Lashley has wanted in real life since before he was back in WWE. There is a real story here about Roman Reigns insisting that he is the man even though all the fans boo him and he's gotten multiple opportunities to win the championship and hasn't gotten it. You know, does a champion 
complain for months that the referee made an unfair decision? Does the champion complain? Like, you know, he complains that Brock Lesnar is never around, but he's had Brock Lesnar multiple times and hasn't beaten him. You know, so to me, he's not acting like the guy. And that's something that Bobby Lashley, and this is, again, we're talking characters here, not not the man. We're talking characters and the way the characters present themselves. This is something Bobby Lashley needs to really point out, needs to really get to the root of. You're not the man. You just keep saying that. Nobody thinks you're the man, and here's why. What's Roman Reigns' problem with Bobby Lashley? Let's really get to the root of it. Let's really talk about how Bobby Lashley, and we're getting there, we're brushing the surface, though. Bobby Lashley just showed up acting entitled to a main event spot as a good guy. Well, that's Roman's spot. How dare you? You know, let's really get into it. And I think that right now we're just brushing the surface on a lot of storylines in WWE. And I think that that's the reason that the Raw ratings aren't higher. I think that that you really, I think the match quality is not bad. Like, I, I, I don't think the, the issue is let's have better matches. I don't think the issue is let's have more matches. Because you got a lot of matches on the show. I think the issue is we need to tell some real stories. We need to figure out who Nia Jax is and why one minute she's being a bully to Ronda Rousey and the next minute she's fighting for people who are bullied. You know, let's let's get to the bottom of this stuff. Let's stop goofing around with everything and, and really build characters with major, major foundation because then it feels like a show you can count on and not a show that's just kind of being thrown together at times. Uh, it's really important to do. And hopefully that's something that WWE does. At the same time, ratings are not as important as they used to be. That's clear from the deals that WWE just made with USA and Fox. Uh, uh, the, the business of television has changed immensely. You're talking about uh, WWE that uh, it used to be TV ratings didn't matter because they were selling tickets. Then it was TV ratings don't matter because we're just selling tickets and pay-per-views. Then it was TV ratings are the only things that matter because we're in competition and we need to look like winners. Now it's TV ratings don't matter because we're one of the few games left that are live that you have to watch. So TV people are going to pay for us. We've built an extreme loyalty with our audience. And let's sell some networks. Let's send people to YouTube. Let's send people to Twitter. Let's get people involved in social media. Let's put ads there. Let's make money there. There are the, the revenue sources have opened up tremendously. And ratings are not the end-all be-all that they once were. So this conversation about you know the ratings being at an all-time low. While yes, you can have the conversation about the fact that Storytelling needs to improve. No, it's not a death sentence for WWE. And with that, it's enough. Some of this probably should have been saved, but it wasn't because now it's time for the State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. And welcome to the State of Wrestling, where we go down what the state of wrestling is this week, because let's be honest, the world of pro wrestling is in a constant state of flux, and it is something that we need to analyze each and every week, and we do that by choosing my top five stories of the week, according to yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, and uh, breaking them down a little bit, all right? So let's start with story number five, and that is a story that just broke on Wednesday of this week, the day that this podcast was recorded, and that story is that Caitlyn is coming back to WWE. Now, there were rumors, I want to say a few months ago, but it could have been as long as a year ago, 
that Caitlyn was coming back to WWE. Uh, of course, Caitlyn was on the, I want to say season three of the NXT reality show that was all women. Uh, it was her and Naomi and AJ Lee and a bunch of other people. Um, but I think Caitlyn actually won, if I remember correctly, and AJ came in second, I think. That's all going from memory. But uh, Caitlyn did a lot. She was very, very popular, and she kind of left out of the blue. Now, she left WWE, and she did not wrestle at all. She went and, and got into fitness modeling. I think she had a line of fitness clothing and, and, and products and just got heavy in to this fitness world uh, because she's, I mean, she's a, she's a diesel woman. Diesel woman. Very, very strong. Uh, and and they announced that she will be returning. I think, like, uh, it has to be close to a year ago at this point that she started posting videos of herself training to wrestle again, getting back in the ring for the first time. Because, like I said, she didn't go and do an indies run. She left the business of pro wrestling after she left WWE. Um, so she's coming back. The announcement was made that she will be coming back, and I believe is the first contender uh, announced for the May Young Classic this year. Now, I th the May Young Classic, I think, is happening pretty soon. Usually it happens in the summer. There's not that much summer left before they would have to announce this thing or tape it or if they're going to do it live, who knows. But usually they do the the tournament and everything. Of course, last year is where we got uh, Kaidi Sane, uh, Dakota Kai, to name a few, so it'll be interesting, you know, which what I find really is the takeaway from all of this is what a big deal Caitlyn's return is being made into. I do not think that she will win the tournament. I think that the May Young Classic, tournaments in general, you look at the King of the Ring, you look at the previous May Young Classics, um, even the UK Championship Tournament, where really it was built around this idea that Pete Dunne is the favorite. Generally speaking, the favorite does not win a tournament, right? Go back to WrestleMania 5. Uh, 4. WrestleMania 4. Ted DiBiase had all the odds stacked in his favor. And it was the Macho Man that ended up winning the championship. Now, a lot of people knew that the Macho Man was going to win. But still, just in terms of storytelling, he was the underdog, not the favorite, in that last match. So, I think that she won't win. But I do think that she'll have a great... Performance. I think that they're 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 going to get her ready to really shine in this tournament. The same way Pete Dunne shined in the UK tournament. He didn't win. Tyler Bate won the championship, but Pete Dunne was turned into a star without winning the championship. I think that uh, I think that the tournament title, the trophy, will go to somebody that maybe we're not quite as familiar with. But I think Caitlyn will have a very very strong showing. Might even make it to the finals. After that, I would imagine that she'll be on the main roster. I don't think she'll go to NXT because she's already TV ready. She's gone through the WWE's boot camp. Unless they just want her to add star power to NXT. Which is interesting because NXT, when it was designed, was not designed to have star power. NXT was designed to create star power that would go to the main roster. Now, if Caitlyn were a male... I would say she'd be better off in, for a little bit in NXT just because there are so there is so much male star power on Raw and SmackDown right now. There is so much male star power on the main roster. But I think there's room in the women's division. Whether it's on Raw or SmackDown, I think there is room for Caitlyn. I also think that there's nobody like Caitlyn. You know, I really want to see like a Mandy Rose 
versus Caitlyn. Because Mandy Rose certainly is clearly into fitness in a big way, could easily be a fitness model if that's what she wanted to do. But Caitlyn looks stronger than Mandy Rose does. Both are gorgeous women. Caitlyn looks stronger. So I think that there could be something very, very interesting in that dynamic. Um, but I think that this the tournament will act as the uh, uh, reintroduction of Caitlyn. However, to give her the win in the tournament would almost be to waste the time of the other women that are in it, if that makes sense. You know, the, the Mae Young Classic trophy should introduce somebody. It should m- mean something. It should be something that somebody needs to carry with them. Like, let's take Kaidi Sane seriously. She won the Mae Young Classic. Let's take her seriously. Shayna Baszler, we can take seriously. Shayna Baszler, we can take seriously without the without the win. Because we kind of know her, we get her story, we get her background, and she's a heel. Caitlyn, we know her, we know her story. She's already a favorite. If she goes on WWE TV today, we're going to take her seriously. The Mae Young Classic just gives us uh, a moment to appreciate how her talent has developed. See if she's gotten even better than she was when she left. So I'm interested to see it, and that's how I think it'll pan out. But I'd like to see who the other women are participating in this thing. I want to see who else is going to show up. I, I know that they just signed uh, another Japanese female wrestler, and so I wonder if that will be a signing. I would hope that that would be a signing for the Mae Young Classic. You know, I think that they should they should add as much uh, intrigue into this tournament as humanly possible. It's difficult. Same way with the UK tournament because you're dealing with people that aren't on TV. The whole point of the Mae Young Classic is to have competitors on that are not on WWE TV. You know, you're not just taking your own women's division and putting them in a tournament. You're taking all new women from around the world. When you do that, you take away the credibility that you've built in to each of these superstars that we see on TV every single week. You have to convince us now when we turn on. First of all, you have to convince us to turn on the show. Second of all, once we turn on the show, we have to be convinced now that every single person we're seeing perform is a superstar. It's the challenge of the UK tournament that I think they do successfully. I think they did a good job in the uh, first May Young Classic. And I'm optimistic about how this one is going to go, but it's going to help having Caitlyn in there. And I think that it's no accident that they're making such a big deal about her return. Triple H is making statements about it. This is not just, you know, bear in mind, this is not just an announcement of Caitlyn's return. Caitlyn's return announcement is becoming a commercial for the Mae Young Classic, which I think is good. It's what it's what you should do. But that's what it is. That's why this return is being made into a big deal, bigger deal than some other returns because it's also to promote and remind and let us know that we need to tune into that Mae Young Classic when it comes on. So I'm interested to see how that develops as we go forward. And I'm assuming that that will be a big part of the promotion off of Extreme Rules because SummerSlam isn't for, well, I guess it's only like five weeks. It's really not that long after Extreme Rules, five or six weeks, but still. I would imagine, and you can easily promote SummerSlam and the Mae Young Classic at the same time. So, uh, Story number four, and this one is just a little, it's something that's been stuck in my head since last week. And I was I didn't find a reason to sneak it in last week. Um, I didn't specifically have a reason to sneak it in this week. So I said, you know what, let's just make it its own story. 
what is going on with Jinder Mahal? Did I miss something? Can somebody please inform me when he became like a yogi? I'm, I swear, I don't know if it happened on main event. I don't know if it happened on Raw and I missed a segment. I don't know when this thing happened. But, you know, Jinder Mahal finding his inner chi is not, it's, it's opposite of who Jinder Mahal used to be. Jinder Mahal was coming around, he was yelling at everybody. He was going nuts. He was, he was, he was bringing out the great Kali to help him in a, in a Punjabi prison match. He was an aggressive, mean, shouty guy. Remember when he was making fun of Nakamura? I mean, there was nothing inner peace about Jinder Mahal before the last two weeks, in my opinion. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, tweet me. Hit me up. Let me know. Sam, you're missing something here. Sam, you missed this part of the story where this all made sense. Because I watch it, and I go, why is he obsessed all of a sudden with, like, whatever sound that he wants to make? Like, when he was doing it with Kevin Owens last week, when Kevin Owens was on the run from Braun Strowman, I was like, why is he doing that? And why, this is what bugs me. And we talked about it a little bit, you know, if you want my opinion on uh, the, if you didn't listen to the bridge segment, if you skipped through it, we talked about how low the rating was for Raw over there. So you know how I feel about storytelling. I, I don't think you can just do this. I think the Jinder Mahal character, a lot has been invested in him. To go from a guy who was pretty much an enhancement guy to spend the year that he spent on SmackDown, where he was beating everybody, where he had a, a, a serious, a significant WWE championship run, where he was responsible for the return of the Great Khali. And, you know, to go on Raw and to have enough chutzpah to not only challenge Roman Reigns, but to face Roman Reigns on pay-per-view, that's a big deal, right? That's... That's you telling your audience. Even though he's not the champion, even though he's not on SmackDown anymore, now that Jinder is on Raw, it's a big deal. He fights Roman Reigns on pay-per-view. You know who the next guy that's going to fight Roman Reigns on pay-per-view? Bobby Lashley. You know who the last guy was? Samoa Joe. You know who the one before that was? Barack Lesnar. So it's a big deal to fight Roman Reigns on pay-per-view. So I think that we have to acknowledge that Jinder Mahal is not just kind of sitting there searching for an identity. He's had an identity. He's a big guy. I don't mean that that's his identity. Like, oh, Jinder? Oh, he's a tall guy. That's his, uh, that's who he is. No, I mean, he's got this identity. Right? He's got the, he's the modern day Maharaja. So, how all of a sudden is he this peace guy? It makes, see, my problem is that when you have a guy who out of nowhere, out of the blue, develops these personality quirks. You know, this character gets formed conceivably out of nowhere for no particular reason. It makes me feel like there is no beginning, middle, end thought out of this thing. It's just on a whim, one day they decided, let's do this with Jinder Mahal. Because if there was a purpose to what he was doing, I feel like there would be a setup to it. If there was a purpose to him acting like he's acting, then I would expect somebody earlier on would have been like, okay, we'll have him do this. It's going to transform him into this character, and once he's this character, he'll be able to do X. But the fact that we didn't have an origin story makes me think 
that even though he's, you know, doing this stuff, that there's no actual vision, like there's no reason to have his character doing it. It's just an idea. What if Jinder started doing this? Why? Don't worry about why. I am going to worry about why. I should be able to at least confidently know that at some point I will know why characters are doing the things they're doing. What's motivating this guy? Why is this guy saying this? Why is this guy doing that? You know, I feel like we should know that there's a rhyme and a reason behind this. And when Jinder starts doing stuff like that, it makes me think they're not ever going to tell us why he's doing this. This is just going to be a thing that he does for a while. I'm never going to know why. And it's it's a little frustrating to me. I don't, I don't think that it helps... Gender, but in a, in, a, in a bigger picture, I don't think it helps the story. I don't think it, it, it's not, it's interesting. You know, I'm not against gender doing it. I'm against gender doing it for no reason. You know, I, I don't have a problem when I saw it. I'm just going, why is he doing it? And again, if I missed why he's doing it, if there's a grand reason, tell me. But I don't think there is. I feel like I would have seen it, and I don't think there is. Although I did watch the Hulu version of Raw last week because I was overseas. But last week was when he did the thing with Kevin Owens, so unless he had multiple segments where he came out. And then I go, I, when I watch the Hulu version, I go back on WWE's YouTube channel, and they usually have videos of everything that they don't have on Hulu. So I saw the whole thing, and I didn't get any reference to why Jinder Mahal was all of a sudden an agent for peace and a yogi. A, 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 I mean, just because you wear a turban doesn't mean that you're an expert on, on meditation and breathing and peace and, and chi and all this stuff. I, I, unless there's a reason, unless you are, and if you are, why have you been hiding? Like, why hasn't gender been acting like that the whole time he's been here? Why haven't I heard this before? That's the question that I think a lot of people are left with. I'm left with. I imagine you were left with that too. Why have I not heard Jinder talk about this before? If this is who Jinder is, why hasn't he said anything about it in the past? It's nuts. It's crazy to me. And and stuff like that does kind of drive me insane, as you can probably tell. Story number three, Takahashi. So at the, uh, at the big New Japan show at the Cow Palace uh, over the weekend... Takahashi had a match. I watched the move. I didn't see the show, but I watched the move. And everybody knows I'm a big Takahashi fan. Uh, last week, I talked about, you know, when I when I said one of the questions in the interview segment last week that one of you guys had for me was, who would you put together if you did a WWE New Japan Super Show? Who would you put together? Who would be on your show? And one of the matches I put together was Braun Strowman versus Takahashi, just because I thought it would be so interesting. I thought it would give Takahashi a chance to be a heel. I think Takahashi is this tremendous talent. I think that WWE should be looking directly at Takahashi and should be directly looking at Naito. Those are the two for me, more so than Okada, more so than Tanahashi. You know, and, I, and I'm not saying anything negative about those guys, but for me... When I watch New Japan shows, those are the guys that I walk away going, yep, those are my guys. Those are the guys I want to see more from. Um, and I watched Takahashi take this move where X-Pac 
our buddy, friend of the podcast, X-Pac on Twitter said it best. There is no way that he could have taken that move without being injured. So he also pointed out that everybody's acting like Takahashi is paralyzed when he clearly walked out of the ring. Um, so he's not paralyzed. Uh, some people are saying his neck is broken. New Japan has confirmed that he has an injury, right? Nobody's saying it's career-ending. Nobody's, but, but you look at it, and what happened was he got kind of curled up and then swung over his opponent's shoulders and landed directly on the, on the lower half of the back of his head while it was tucked in and just, oof, I just felt it when I brought my head down. Just snapped his neck. And I don't mean snapped it in half. I'm using that colloquially. But, you know, just right there on his neck. And you could see, I mean, it was gruesome to look at. It was horrible. But I don't know what the desired outcome for that was. It, it, it really, that's one of the things. You know, you talk about stuff that drives me crazy. I, I'm not one of these guys. Look, I don't think wrestlers should be getting injured. But I also think it isn't ballet and people need to be able to make their own choices. You know, I think people should be able to make their own choices. And if they want to do damage to their bodies, do damage to their bodies. There is more information on long-term effects of things like pro wrestling now than there ever has been. Concussion research, injury research, all of it. Nobody is living under these assumptions that they're going to be fine as they get older. Nobody is, everybody is is keenly aware. I mean, you know, there's studies coming out every week. You can't even sleep poorly without being like, oh my God, what about the long-term effects of this? Oh no, this is something you can't make up when you get older. Like, you know, the brain stuff is real. Neck stuff is real. The research is out there. Everybody knows about it. And especially if you're a wrestler, an elite wrestler, top level wrestler, like Takahashi is, you're aware of it. So people can make all the choices they want. And sometimes these moves are thrilling. Sometimes these moves look a lot more dangerous than they actually are. You know, people were for a while saying Seth Rollins was careless because of his buckle bumps. I think that that was ridiculous. Seth Rollins, there was an interview with Seth Rollins that came out this week where he was talking about how Bret Hart uh, said that and the locker room kind of laughed at it because everybody knows how safe Seth Rollins is. You know, injuries happen. I'm not one of these guys that every time an injury happens, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? If you are personally offended by people getting injured, wrestling is not the thing that you should be watching for entertainment. But, but, I do think that in the wrestling business, there are lots of ways to entertain people. And people who don't have to take risks shouldn't be taking risks. In real life, I don't, believe in bungee jumping. I don't believe in skydiving, right? I don't believe in these crazy things. I, people that have death wishes, I don't believe in the, like the, I mean, I believe it exists, but like those kids that you see on YouTube hanging off of skyscrapers and structures and stuff like that, stupid to me. When I hear an accident has happened because of something like that, I, it, it becomes tough for me to have that much sympathy because everybody knows it's dangerous. That's why you're doing it. When you don't have to do that, you shouldn't do it. In real life, you don't have to do that. There's nothing, there's no benefit. Nobody's paying to see it. No, there, there's no, we're not doing anything. When you're a wrestler, maybe for the sake of a story, taking a risk is worth it. Maybe to up the ante, taking a risk is worth it. There are moments in wrestling where taking a risk is worth it. But for a guy like Takahashi, whose, in my opinion, greatest gift is his charisma. 
He doesn't need to be doing stuff like that. The move that I saw Takahashi take, there was no benefit to it. There's no benefit to Takahashi taking that move. Taking moves like that are not going to bring him to the next level. Taking moves like that are not going to make him part of the conversation. What's going to make him part of the conversation is entertaining people. What's made him part of the conversation is entertaining people. Brock Lesnar goes to the ring. He does suplexes. That's what he does. Undertaker, he has his WrestleMania match with John Cena. He's got his chokeslam tombstone, and he walks the ropes. You know, there's no reason to do some of this stuff. And in the match that Takahashi had, it wasn't a, 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 a heavyweight championship match. It wasn't, it wasn't one of these things that this match needs to last forever. If for some reason you can justify to me that a match needs to last forever, then we might be able to have a conversation about taking certain risks. But if you're in a match that is not designed to last forever but just be an entertaining match tonight, you shouldn't be doing anything that might break your neck. When I say might, I mean very well might. Because just getting in a ring, you might break your neck. But th- moves that are specifically dangerous to your neck and head should not be done unless absolutely necessary, unless it's a storytelling device, unless it looks more dangerous than it actually is. But Takahashi doesn't have to do stuff like this. Takahashi doesn't even speak the language. And I think of him as a promo guy. Like, And I'm not saying he's bad in the ring. I think he's excellent in the ring. But he doesn't need to be dropping himself on his neck. It adds nothing to him. And and, and it, it takes away. Like that, That's what frustrates me. You have a guy like Takahashi, who to me could not should end up in WWE. Who could not should have a very, very long career in front of him. Selfishly, I look forward to watching his matches for years to come. And so this idea that he's going to go out there and hurt himself because he thinks he has to take it up a notch and take it up a notch and take it up a notch is annoying and wrong. It's not even true. And it's not going to bring him to the next level. That's not what brought Takahashi to the dance. That's not what brought him here. And so that's not what he should be doing now. You know, that's what really bugged me about this one. Accidents happen, risks are taken. Unnecessary risks are a pet peeve. Unnecessary risks shouldn't happen. And I think Takahashi, if and when he comes back, and I'm 99% that he will be back, hate to see anybody get injured. If and when Takahashi comes back, I hope that he thinks about it for a long time and realizes the decisions that he makes should have a heavier upside than a downside. If this goes wrong, what's the worst that can happen? If this goes right, what's the best that can happen? If worst is a 10 and best is a four, don't do it. What's the payoff? It's not worth risking 10 points to get four, right? Because the loss is too big if you lose. And you might, and you did at this show at the Cow Palace. So, you know, it's it's sad, it's frustrating. And even if he's only gone for eight months, that's eight months of Takahashi matches we should be having. That's eight months of Takahashi stories that we should be telling. That's eight months further in the career that Takahashi should be getting. And he's not. He's now on pause because he took a risk he didn't have to take. 
So that's how I felt coming out of the Takahashi bump at the Cow Palace. Story number two is uh, the biggest wrestling story, certainly of the weekend, maybe all week, and that is Barack Lesnar invading the UFC. Now, there are some people that are like, uh, this was a work. Of course it was a work. I don't, I don't think Brock Lesnar walking into that cage, like Brock Lesnar had security guards around him and he was right outside the door to the cage. I think that it's, uh, it can be safely assumed that it was planned that Brock Lesnar would enter the octagon after Daniel Cormier called him out. Dana White was right there. He didn't look shocked by it. He looked happy about it. You know, I, I, and I don't, I don't even think that we were supposed to believe that it was spontaneous. I don't think that the point was that it was supposed to be spontaneous. I think the point was that we didn't know it was going to happen. The point was that it was a surprise, not that it was spontaneous. Now, there's something very interesting, and I talked about it with Booker T earlier in the show, and I tweeted about it too, and MMA fans are pissed about it, but it, the facts are the facts. And whether you're looking at the build between Chael, Chael Sonnen and Anderson Silva, whether you're looking at the build of most of Conor McGregor's fights, whether you're looking at uh, uh, the kid from Philly who we just had on the SiriusXM show recently, who's the nerd bash movement, whether you're looking at him, you know, whether you're looking at Daniel Cormier right now, whether you're looking at John's Bones, John Bones Jones, UFC is at its best when it's booked like pro wrestling. UFC is at its most compelling. UFC is at its most interesting. UFC is at its most lucrative when it's booked like pro wrestling. And that's something that UFC fans just have to swallow, you know? And I'd like to talk to, like, Joe Rogan about it. I'd love to know what he thought of Brock Lesnar because I talked to my co-host Jim Norton on SiriusXM who he likes, you know, he doesn't dislike wrestling. He's just not a fan. He's an MMA fan. He hosts the UFC's official podcast with Matt Serra. And he said he was kind of bothered, not that Brock Lesnar came in and did the whole thing, but that he called Stipe a piece of shit. And then after Stipe had lost a tough fight, he, uh, a tough fight to lose. He didn't, you know, it wasn't the most, it was only like one round. But after he lost that fight and had to go in the back, not only did he not get interviewed, but his story was completely usurped by Brock Lesnar, and then Brock Lesnar completely mocked him. Um, which is true, but again, business is business is business is business, and UFC is put on this planet to make a profit. And Brock Lesnar and Daniel Cormier are going to make one hell of a profit. Now, some people are saying, like, well, you know, we learned, did we learn nothing from CM Punk? Daniel Cormier is going to kill Brock Lesnar. Let's not forget that Brock Lesnar is a former UFC champion. Let's not forget that Brock Lesnar is an NCAA champion, right? Brock Lesnar, Daniel Cormier is a wrestler. He's got a wrestling background, but so is Brock Lesnar, and not a pro wrestler. He's, a, he's got an amateur wrestling background, a serious one. He would have gone to the Olympics had he not gone to WWE. And he's a former UFC heavyweight champion of the world. And look at him. He's a badass. You saw him get in that cage. Now, it's going to be a tough fight for Brock to win. However, I also think, so here's a couple of, of things that I thought, and I want to talk about it from a wrestling perspective. Um, there is absolutely nothing negative for us as wrestling fans or for the WWE about Brock Lesnar showing up. I know a lot of people are frustrated that the universal title does not get defended on WWE TV. Luckily, the WWE championship is with AJ Styles. I think that because Brock Lesnar is not on TV, that championship should maybe be held at a higher standard. That championship should maybe be closing uh, pay-per-views and stuff like that. But that's a whole other conversation. That has nothing to do with Brock Lesnar. 
you know, Brock Lesnar not defending the title is actually making him even more of a heel. Brock Lesnar not defending the title is not the worst thing in the world. I think that Brock Lesnar, it, it harkens back to the days of like Andre the Giant when he would just show up run a program, and then go on to the next territory, and then in a while he'd be back. Now, the difference is Andre the Giant wouldn't bring the championship with him, and we're living in a different day and age. But this idea that Brock Lesnar may not defend the title at SummerSlam, which I think he will because I think he's being advertised for the Raw after SummerSlam, but the idea that he might not wrestle at SummerSlam, that's what people have said. First of all, they're buying into the tweets that Paul Heyman sends out, which is they're in character, But second of all, if he doesn't defend the title at SummerSlam, he'd be the biggest heel in the company. I hope that Brock doesn't defend the title at SummerSlam and then comes out on Raw after SummerSlam. Just to brag about it. You know, I hope that Brock Lesnar infuriates people and gets them pissed. Now, the key here is that you don't put Brock Lesnar with Roman Reigns after this. Brock Lesnar being on UFC has pissed off some WWE fans, not because he's on UFC, but because he's on UFC while he's not on WWE TV. That's what's pissed off WWE fans. And that's okay. WWE fans being pissed off at Brock Lesnar are is okay. The one thing you can't do, and I, I would have hoped that we learned this at WrestleMania, you cannot have fans pissed off at Brock Lesnar and then have him wrestle Roman Reigns. You... There is no amount of booze that you can give somebody that is going to translate into cheers for Roman Reigns. If you want Roman Reigns to get cheered, he's going to have to figure out how to do it on his own accord, or you're going to have to figure out how to tell that story. But Roman Reigns is not going to get cheered because Brock Lesnar is getting booed. What will happen is the same thing that happened at WrestleMania. But if you've got the whole wrestling audience pissed at Brock Lesnar, there are two people you can put him in the ring with at any moment. Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins. Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins are the guys. Now, for me, whoever beats Brock Lesnar, it's a big feather in the cap. For me, at this moment, I would have Seth Rollins beat Brock Lesnar. And then I would have Braun Strowman chase Seth Rollins for the championship. And Brock Lesnar being a part of the UFC makes it even more, makes him even more legitimate and makes wrestling fans even more pissed off, a lot of them, which is, again, not a bad thing for a heel. Um, This fight, which apparently is going down, Daniel Cormier was on Conan and said his next opponent will be Brock Lesnar. People did the math. Brock Lesnar's got to get back in. He's back into the USADA pool. He's got six months left on his uh, suspension. The earliest he could fight is January. Could Brock Lesnar still be champion in January? I think so. Is there a world where Brock Lesnar doesn't defend the title for six months? There's a world. I think that it's unlikely, but there is a world where that happens. Just to really get the people pissed off. But I'm going to tell you, if Brock Lesnar doesn't defend the title for another six months, it's not just because Brock Lesnar is playing hardball. The WWE is in agreement with what he's doing. The WWE is agreeing to what he's doing. You know, it's like, let's... Not get lost in storyline. Um, but I think that it's an unbelievably positive thing for WWE that Brock Lesnar is associated with UFC, especially after CM Punk was embarrassing um, for himself, not necessarily for wrestling. I also think that wrestling fans, like, you know, I, I, I had a conversation with Peter Rosenberg, and Peter Rosenberg, 
he said that uh, that CM Punk losing like he did at UFC was bad for wrestling. That he wanted wrestlers to look like tough guys, and I don't even know where he's getting that from. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's even. I think that that's a romanticized thought that maybe has been written about in wrestling books. But I don't think anybody actually feels that way anymore. In 2018, people generally appreciate pro wrestlers for the athletes that they are. People generally appreciate pro wrestling for the form that it is. People also appreciate MMA for the form that it is. They appreciate MMA fighters for the athletes that they are. You know, if if a pro wrestler loses in an MMA fight, it says nothing about their pro wrestling. And if an MMA fighter loses in a pro wrestling ring, it says nothing about him in the octagon. The octagon is not scripted. Pro wrestling is scripted. You know, and everybody knows that by now. Everybody knows that they're two separate things. So even if Brock Lesnar were to get his ass kicked by Daniel Cormier, I think he could still come back to WWE and be a monster. Just because look at him. You know, we can be made to believe that easily. So I don't see any downside to Brock Lesnar uh going back to UFC for a fight. And I love the idea of him doing both simultaneously. He's not on Raw every week anyway. It's not like we have to say goodbye to him. If It's it's just going to be extra Brock time. We just have to turn on UFC to see him instead of WWE. But I don't think he's doing UFC instead of WWE. He's just doing both. And I think that that's good for... I think it's good for everybody, but I think it's very good for WWE. It legitimizes everything. Speaking of good for WWE, Extreme Rules is the number one story this week. Let's go over the card real quick. We did that a little bit last week, uh, but a lot of it was hypotheticals. We've we've we're fairly well cemented on what the card is. Um, I of course will be there uh, as one of the panelists on the kickoff show, which I'm really 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 excited about. Um, you've got the Extreme Rules match for the WWE Raw Women's Championship: Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax. I think Alexa Bliss is going to win. The odds are stacked against her. Uh, Ronda Rousey is at ringside, and it's interesting. You know, I would say that to both those people, Brock Lesnar was at ringside for the UFC title match, and he came in and shoved Daniel Cormier across the ring. Is this what Ronda Rousey is going to be at ringside for? Is she going to be there to challenge the winner of this match? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, WWE Championship match, AJ Styles versus Rusev. It's a moment for Rusev. Rusev has been doing a good job selling himself. Rusev did a great job on commentary on SmackDown. He's been doing a good job in the interviews that he's been doing in the press, kind of getting out there that he should have been considered for the WWE Championship a long time ago. This is this is late. This is a long time coming. I love when he was on SmackDown and he was like, I rode to the ring in a tank. In a tank. You ever do that? This is great. I'm glad that Rusev is getting a moment to shine. Uh, I think AJ Styles will retain, but I do like that. Uh... The Deleters of World versus the B Team. I wouldn't be surprised if the B Team won this match. That's a Raw Tag Team Championship match. You got the SmackDown Women's Championship. It's Carmella versus Asuka. And the stipulation added this week is that James Ellsworth is going to be in a cage. I'm entertained by James Ellsworth. I think adding him in a cage is a good thing. Um, You know, I wouldn't... uh, I had a scenario for this last week that I didn't mind. So just go listen to last week. And uh, it's pretty much the same thing. Uh, Tag Team Championship over on the SmackDown side. It's Team Hell No versus the Bludgeon Brothers. This is a really interesting match because the Team Hell No dynamic is so good. There's a lot of things that could happen here. Bludgeon Brothers could just retain. Sure. Team Hell No could absolutely win those Tag Team Championships. And if anybody is going to beat the Bludgeon Brothers, it should be a team on the level of Kane and Daniel Bryan. At the same time, 
We could have a split ski happen and have Daniel Bryan and Kane wrestling each other. This could be a setup for Daniel Bryan and Kane to have another match at SummerSlam. I hope not. I would prefer not. I'd rather see them as a team than wrestling each other, but you don't know. Again, I think that this is a good distraction for Daniel Bryan at the moment. Um, I really, for a moment on SmackDown this week, when he was on Miz TV, I was like, oh my God, no. They're not going to do a Miz-Daniel Bryan match on SmackDown, are they? The fact that they didn't leads me to believe that they are saving that match. So... I still have hope. It could be at SummerSlam. Don't get me wrong. I still have hope they push it all the way to WrestleMania. Um, and this Team Hell No is a great distraction for Daniel Bryan before he gets to more big matches. Because otherwise you end up kind of running through all the dream matches in one shot. So that's why I'm, I'm very much in support of this match. I don't think I'm going out on a limb when I say that the Iron Man match for the Intercontinental Championship could easily steal the show. Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins. Um... I think it'll be one of the, it's only 30 minutes, it's not 60 minutes. I think it'll be one of those Iron Man matches that have a whole bunch of falls. I'm looking at a 3 to 2 or a 4 to 3 score. Probably 3 to 2. I think that the thing is going to end 3 to 2. Um and if Seth Rollins doesn't win, then he needs to move towards the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship, whatever story they want to tell. But if Seth Rollins does not walk out with the Intercontinental Championship, it needs to be chicanery at the hands of Drew McIntyre. And afterwards, he needs to start going towards the Universal Championship so that there's a reason why this happened. I think Dolph Ziggler's a good Intercontinental Champion, and I think Drew McIntyre has really refreshed the character. So, uh, so I'm okay with that. I like Roman Reigns versus Bobby Lashley. The story's been good, but again, we're just brushing the surface with it. You know, but I am interested in seeing this match. I would imagine that this will be the match that headlines. Uh, again, pretty risky, uh, given Roman Reigns' history of headlining these pay-per-views. But I believe that uh, AJ Styles and Rusev will probably go on second to last, and then Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley will headline. Um, and, you know, honestly, Bobby Lashley should win. Roman Reigns doesn't need the victory. It's not going to do anything if he does beat Bobby Lashley. It'll destroy Bobby Lashley to lose to Roman Reigns. And if Bobby Lashley beats Roman Reigns, it'll put him on a whole nother plateau. I think Bobby Lashley should beat Roman Reigns at this pay-per-view. I don't think anybody's expecting that. And that's why I think it should happen. Uh, Jeff Hardy versus Nakamura. I'm a little surprised that this one is not an Extreme Rules match. We only have one Extreme Rules match on the show. They're all stipulations. And by the way, the Nia Jax breaking the Singapore Cane, or the, I guess we don't call it Singapore Canes anymore. I'm, I'm an old school ECW guy. Nia Jax uh, breaking that kendo stick was great and really helped sell me for this uh, Extreme Rules match. But I think the Jeff Hardy-Shinsuke match should be Extreme Rules with the low blow and everything in effect. Since it's not, I would imagine the referee's back will be turned and Nakamura will get that low blow because I believe Nakamura will leave Extreme Rules as a United States champion. Uh, Finn Balor and Baron Corbin, good match. I would say Finn Balor will win. I, I've been loving what Baron Corbin's been doing, but I'm a Baron Corbin fan. Uh, of course, the uh, kickoff show match is the tables match with Sanity versus The New Day. I think Sanity should win. Uh, I think Sanity, just to establish them, I think they should win. And then you've got, although this one might headline, this will be a great key in figuring out where WWE is at with my Braun Strowman theory. If Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley headline this show, they're still 
a little something in Vince McMahon's brain that he wants to headline Roman Reigns, that he wants Roman Reigns to be the guy. If Kevin Owens and Braun Strowman headline this show, because Braun Strowman wins, obviously, unless they do the finish where he throws Kevin Owens out of the cage, but we've seen that finish so many times. Braun Strowman wins this match. Kevin Owens can afford the loss. Um, if Braun Strowman wins, then, and it's the last match, I think it's pretty well established that Braun Strowman is the guy. It'll be interesting to see, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Thank you all for being a part of the State of Wrestling once more here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget to tune in next week and uh, when I announce the on-sale date and how you can get tickets for the live 200th episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast in New York City. That'll go down SummerSlam week. You're going to want to be a part of it and Listen to the Sam Roberts Premium Show with Captive Audience as our bonus show over at Stitcher Premium at stitcher.com slash not Sam. We'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. It's been real. It's been fun. And it's been real fun. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.